Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me as always from the Pacific Northwest is my co-host and friend, Mark A. Johnson. Mark, welcome to the show. Jeff, it is truly nice to be here, and I owe you a buck for calling me your friend. <laughs> well, if I don't get it, I will not call you my friend again. Oh, believe me, I know. We've been through this. Yeah. <laughs> You've been late before. I know. So we have got a great show for you today. We've got a guest that I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation with. Uh, right now, October 4th through the 10th, it is a very special event going on on the internet. It is the Negro League Baseball Museum's virtual art show and benefit, which is celebrating the 100-year anniversary of the Negro Leagues. They have got artists from around the world that are doing special pieces of artwork and they are all for sale. Some of them are on auction. Some of them you can just buy straight up. You can buy these and they are benefiting the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City, which we have talked about and neither of us have been to for some reason. We have to go. Yes, that needs to be a field trip. Let's start a GoFundMe account because I'm sure people really want to send us there. Oh, Uh, I'm sure. But we definitely want to go. So joining us today is one of our favorites, Daniel Horine. We have talked about him before. He does these great comic book covers. I've got and I've shown off this Ricky Henderson one that he did so many times. He joins us to talk about the pieces that he has created for this show, as well as just some baseball memories. He has got some great connections in Major League Baseball with players uh, that he's worked with, that he's got some great stories with. So make sure to stick around for that. And he played Wax Packs Heroes with us with his favorite set of all time, the 1989 Tops. So that is a lot of fun. But Mark, let us start, as we always do, with a little bit of batting practice. Regardless of the weather, we're going to go outside. We're going to take some cuts. Okay. All right. You are required to put down three bunts before you can swing away. Of course. And, you know, I might even put down four just because <laughs> I enjoy the bunch so much. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. Much better at bunting than hitting. I'll tell you that. I, I know you keep putting your hand to you keep you know breaking fingers because you got to hold the bat well, right. And you're just it deadens the ball. It's it slows it down. You're supposed to catch it with the bat. Don't don't jab. Don't jab. See, that's not what my dad taught me. OK, so I'm going to just do a quick fact because we've got a lot of stuff to get into including trivia, which I'm very excited about this week. I saw one stat that I did want to talk about, about Nellie Fox. That's a name that we, we, we probably mentioned a couple of times. We've never really gone in depth with Nellie Fox. No. Nellie Fox, this is incredible. I mean, this is the epitome of who I would still put in the number two hole, no matter what my lineup is. Nellie Fox put the ball in play on 97.7% of his career at-bats. Wow. That is incredible. Wow. I mean, I don't know if that's still the way that people, managers think of it in, in the sabermetric way today, but I'm putting him there so that you put a leadoff guy that can get on base and then you hit and run every single time. If <laughs> he's going to yeah. put the ball in play 97 point, almost 98% of the time. It'd be good to have a round for the uh, rule where you start a guy on second and second in uh, extra innings. Yeah. Yeah. Just pinch hit he's him. <laughs> Uh, 1958, he had an incredible season. He didn't hit any home runs, not really his game. He struck out 11 times in 698 plate appearances. What? Wow. So he put the ball in play 687 times out of 698. I'm hoping my math is right there. I think 698 minus 11 is 687. I don't do mathematics. I think that's correct. Debut-wise, not a whole lot of debuts. Nobody of note, because, of course, this is October 6th. So it's kind of hard for people to debut. It does happen. There are people that debuted today. Nobody really of note. I know we've had a couple of people that have debuted in the playoffs already this year. For the I know for the Minnesota Twins, I think they had an outfielder that debuted and got his first big league hit in the playoffs. I wanted to talk more about a couple of events that happened today, just uh, just because there weren't a bunch of names that of guys that made their debuts. Um, 1933, today, October 6th, umpire Charlie Moran ejects Heine Manoush. Heine Manoush. Heine Manoush. You've heard, have yes. you heard of Heine? 
I do know Heine Minouche. <laughs> Probably because of that name, I'm guessing. That's right. He ejected him in Game 4 of the World Series. Minouche played for the Senators and was an outfielder. And he was called out at first base in an extra innings loss. to the. They were playing the New York Giants. And the umpire, who I mentioned was Charlie Moran, future Hall of Famer, Charlie oh, yeah. Moran. Uh, he ejected Heine when Heine got upset at the call and pulled the Hall of Fame umpire's bow tie and then letting it go, letting it snap back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, first of all, why are umpires not wearing bow ties still to this day? I don't know. I think they should go back to that. That would give me a lot more. Bow ties demand respect. <laughs> Unless, of course, they're the ones that you can snap back. <laughs> like, so, what, what, was Heine Manoush watching a lot of the Three Stooges at that point? That was my first thought, is this is a classic Three Stooges move. <laughs> he probably tried to poke his eyes after that. What kind of a call was that? Lame brain. (laughs) I mean, that is, I I can just imagine if Billy Martin had the chance to snap somebody instead of kicking, instead of kicking dirt on the, on home plate, he could have just gone with the, the bow tie snap. No doubt. But, oh boy. Yeah. I, I, I vote to bring that back. Even on, like when they do turn back the clock days, why don't the umpires wear the, wear the, uh, the balloon protectors and the, the bow ties? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to send that suggestion along yeah. to uh, some people I know. All right. So this one was just something I wanted to talk about when I found it in light of what happened uh, last week with the passing of Bob Gibson. I, I wanted to make sure to bring this one up on this day, October 6, 1968, uh, Bob Gibson, who uh, pitched in the World Series in 1968, becomes the first pitcher to hit two home runs in World Series history when he knocks a second long ball off of Detroit's Joe Sparma, leading off the fourth inning of Game 4 in the Cardinals' 10-to-1 route of Detroit at Tiger Stadium. Yeah, wow. Orioles lefty Dave McNally eventually hit two home runs in 1969 and in 1970 combined, not in both years, but he hit one in each year. But Bob Gibson, you've mentioned it before, uh, was very good with the bat as well as being one of the you know greatest pitchers out there on the mound. Pure athleticism, that guy. Just a lot of a lot of these legends are passing away right now, and it's it's really really sure, sad. Sure. I mentioned that uh, there wasn't any any names that I really wanted to, to to mention of guys that made their debuts today. There were a couple of guys though that were uh, that played their final game today. Actually, Johnny Vandermeer actually passed away today in 1997. That's a, a good name. I, wasn't he the last guy that pitched back-to-back no-hitters? He is. Yep, that's a good trivia question. But there are some. Uh, there were some good names of guys that played their last game today. Jorge Posada, Cal Ripken Jr., Stan Javier, our boy, uh, Jose hey. Canseco, Scott Brocious, Dante Bichette. A lot of guys, this was the last day of the regular season for a couple of years. Dewey yeah. Evans played his last game today. Yeah, a lot of, boy, a lot of guys sure. finished their careers today. All right, so uh, I asked you a trivia question last week, and I knew, you know, the week before I really stepped it up and I made it really hard. I knew this one was answerable, and we had several listeners come in with the right answer. Uh, my question was, who is the only player to be an all-star with the same team in both the American and National League. Now, that kind of narrows it down to at least recently the Astros or the Brewers. Right. I was hoping that people would go beyond those two teams, maybe back to <laughs> to some older teams. But, uh, Mark, do you have an answer for me? Any idea? No, I'm. I, you stumped me on this one, man. It wasn't that tricky. It wasn't beyond those two teams. And uh, I remember when the Brewers were in the American League, and I, I missed them. I would rather they be here than the Astros, to be honest. But the answer is Jose Altuve. Oh. Yeah, I, I found it hard to believe that Altuve actually was in his second year. His second year was 2012, which was the Astros' final year in the senior circuit. And then they came over to the American League in 2013. And he was an all-star in 2012. So there you go. Gotcha. 
like I said, a couple of listeners were all over that one. All right, so this trivia question, I can guarantee you, unless you do research on the internet and look it up, nobody is going to get this this question right just off the top of their head. It's just not going to happen. I, there might be three people in the world, and they're all going to be related to one of these guys. So <laughs> Willie Mays retired in 1973 as a member of the New York Mets. All right. In okay. his rookie season, Willie wore the number 14 before moving to the iconic number 24 that he wore through the remainder of his career. Since his retirement, only three other Mets have ever worn the number 24, though it has not been retired by the team. Name me those three players. Well, you you certainly have it right. I am not going to get this one. <laughs> now, I think two of these people are going to get. Two of them are... are, are I'm not going to say easy, but they're they're pretty easy. The third one you will never get, and I can I, I am willing to I'm willing to put money on that. So <laughs> there you go. The three players since Willie Mays that have sported the number 24 for the New York Mets. Think about it, because that's a tough one. Yeah, it's, it is a tough one, and and I am very confident in in in, in how hard this one is. All right, so uh, let's let the ground crew come out and do their things. And while we do that, let's get ready to jump into the uh, main part of our show and uh, get to our interview with Daniel Horine and uh, talk about the Negro League Baseball Museum. All right, so from October 4th through the 10th, the Negro League Baseball Museum, which we have talked about many, many times, is heading a virtual art show and benefit celebrating the 100-year anniversary of the Negro Leagues. 98 artists from around the world are helping to celebrate the story of the Negro Leagues. During that time, a percentage of every sale will be donated directly to the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. One of those artists involved in this event is somebody I've talked about before on the show. It's somebody I've purchased art from before. It's somebody that we have linked to and we've shared their work on social media. And we are very, very excited to have him join us here today. Uh, Daniel Horine, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it very much. So, Daniel, uh, I know I spent a bit of time in a, in a show a while ago back talking about one of your pieces because it was a it was a Ricky Henderson piece and I, I talked about it I I received it I was so excited it's a piece that I show off to everybody I don't even have it on the wall because I keep holding it up to my webcam during meetings because it's so cool and everybody loves it you do some just incredible pieces of Major League Baseball players mainly retired I think all retired at this point in comic book cover style and they are incredible. We're so glad to have you here to talk about this. Uh, we'll, we'll get to your work with this uh, this virtual art show and benefit as well. But before we do, let's learn a little bit more about you, kind of your history with, with art and your style and your history with baseball. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super jazzed to be here. So my, my history with baseball is, is got into it when I was a kid and I learned a lot of a lot of guys actually my own age sort of did the same thing I did and they kind of took a break for 20 years or so and then got back into it later in life but uh, got in got into baseball via the Dodgers uh, the hometown heroes in around 87 or 88 as a kid and right when I was starting little little league and whatnot and and uh, latched on to uh, the career of Dale Murphy and really followed him and watched TBS religiously and and uh, when baseball retired or uh, when Dale Murphy retired so did, so did I didn't really pay much attention you know went to high school and and went through my 20s and whatnot and uh, about eight or nine years ago I picked it back up and and I've kind of been in the fold ever since your art style I mentioned the, the comic you've done other things uh, as well but you've done these comic book covers or what really are have caught my eye uh, recently how did you how did you get into this style I mean did have you drawn comic books or are you a comic book collector fan I think it just really boils down to the little 10 year old version of myself when it was 1989 and my world was baseball and comic books and and the Batman movie that came out that year, super, super into it, all in. That was that was my life, and 
I've got this theory that when you're when you're 10, you spend the first 10 years of your life just just being a kid, just being what you are, who you are, and just growing and learning. Then you spend the next 10 years after that trying to distance yourself from being that kid. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not this or that. And trying to make a name for yourself. And then you spend the rest of your life trying to recapture what it meant for those first 10 years. So I'm sort of always reaching back for that first 10 years. And and uh, when I think back to to being a kid, it, 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 it was those two things. It was baseball and comics. And I've been trying to squish them together ever since. You've done an incredible job. Everybody, like I said, that I have shown this piece to, uh, even my, my wife, we get packages every other week, it seems, with some <laughs> some other Ricky Henderson thing I've ordered. And usually I just get an eye roll, but she was really excited about this. She's like, that's really cool. You've also done some other work on your website I've seen that are kind of like the first thing I thought of, and you did it for, for Major League Baseball, for the NFL, mm -hmm. and the NBA, I believe. They reminded me of He-Man, the old He-Man action figures. But you did yeah. one for each team as kind of like a superhero or, a, or a, a super, I guess maybe even a super villain in the Astros case. But th those are really cool too. Again, something super near and dear to my heart and, and very much about those first 10 years. If, if uh, baseball and comics were pillars one and two, He-Man was pillar three <laughs> and uh, that, that, hold that, that held that stool up. It, it's, been, it's been something I've just been interested in in, in this kind of call it nerd culture or whatever you want and, and just mashing it up with baseball. So that, that whole, that yeah, whole project reimagining, reimagining all of the MLB teams and NFL and, and uh, NBA as, as uh, he-man masters of the universe characters. It just, it, it's, it, it feels like these cultures need to need to meet and sometimes they flirt with each other, but it's been, it's really sort of my effort to, to, push these these the, the nerds and the jocks together you know and and that's just kind of the whole the whole method i guess or not method or philosophy of of what i do is 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 just mixing the that the nerds and the jocks world together so was i right those were he-man inspired absolutely oh. <laughs> to, to to nerd out for even more more so that that the i gave them names like uh uh, kingdoms of MLB instead of MLB. It's yeah, it took me a minute MLB. to figure that out. And I was wondering, is that a copyright thing or what is it? That uh, trying, trying to make it my own thing rather than just like, here's the Blue Jays, here's the Dodgers, you know, try to try to try to reimagine it such that baseball was not a somewhat modern invention. We're imagining a world where all of our rules and the colors and the logos and the the traditions and pageantry all came from this faraway kingdom. That That's the whole idea behind the Kingdoms of MLB series. Daniel, hey, I'm curious. When did you realize that you had a, a gift for this sort of thing? Were you pretty young? Yeah, it, it's just one of those things that I've just got got lucky with. Out, out of the gate, just was able to to see things in that way. And, and, and match match my hands with what was in my head so it's all I've, as long as i can remember i've been drawing or creating in some capacity yeah that that makes sense because it looks your work is is really fresh but uh, uh still you can see there's some experience behind it so that's one thing i really appreciate about it uh, i have another question for you a baseball question uh who sure. was your favorite player growing up my friend oh that would be dale brian <laughs> murphy there you go and so you've had <laughs> Some pretty cool experiences with Mr. Murphy, have you not? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I I wish that that my ten year old self knew what was up in my forties. I'd be so excited. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, working with uh, or just even hanging out with Dale. It, it, you guys ended up in a, a pretty cool little friendship and and did, got to do some things together. Yeah, it's it's really surreal and and uh, it's, it still is surreal. Got to meet him several years back. Well, I, I've. I got to meet Dale a couple years back at a Dale Murphy MVP experience. Uh, I had I had met him here and there over the years at a different different appearances, but um, not really had a moment to sit down and talk with him and, and uh, at any capacity. But the MVP experience that he hosts every year, it's an opportunity to go to Atlanta, eat at his restaurant with him, take a tour of of I'm calling it SunTrust SunTrust Park, <laughs> Truist Park. And with him, and then go sit in this little uh, little skybox, private private little uh, seats up there at the 
top of the park and, and just watch the whole game with them. And granted, you're sharing the experience with 40 other people, but it's still very, it was still very intimate and got to, got to get to know him, got to know me. And through that, the com- we started talking about art. And it just sort of, sort of, kind of led itself to working together. Uh, I think it was his wife's actually idea that uh, she she saw one of my works and she said that would be great as a poster. And that was, God bless Nancy Murphy for that because that that was that was all I needed. And we got to uh, work on a poster, little enamel pins, uh, pennants, a, a, a card game. Uh, stickers. It was. It's been such a blast working with him, and and uh, again, a dream dream come true that still feels just as novel, even though it's been a couple of years. I still 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 fight the urge to nerd out every time I I talk to him and just keep it <laughs> keep it professional, Horan. You can do this. Maintain. <laughs> I know the feeling. Every time I talk to Jeff, I feel that way. So, you know. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the best nugget that you've gotten from Dale Murphy? that maybe people don't, you know, have never heard like a baseball story, like something that happened that just when you were talking to him, he's like, oh, that reminds me of a game in Shea Stadium in 19, you know, 86. Well, a, a lot of the conversation from all the from all the other guys in the room are, are about about you know, the the Rick Camp game and, uh, you know, the, the classics. But I'll, I'll flip this question around for you if, if I can. And I'll tell you a cool experience that, that I had that centers around Dale Murphy. That, uh, not many people get, get to have. So I grew up a huge fan of Dale Murphy from this age of seven, eight, nine, around there. The Dodgers are, are my, my spiritual team, hometown heroes. I, I, I love the Braves. They are my team. They are the teams I have chosen for life. But... The Dodgers will always have a special place in my heart. So my dad would always uh, take me to Dodger games, uh, especially when they would play the Braves. And I still remember my first Dodgers-Braves game. I was so excited. I had never seen Dale Murphy play before. So we went, and uh, my dad, my mom, and I, we had great seats. I did not know how great they were until much later when I got older. But I uh, had great seats, and... Uh, I brought pretty much every Dale Murphy card I had. I don't know what I was expecting. If, if he was going to sit next to me during during the game and sign them all for me, I don't know. But I, but I had a stack of cards, and and from across the stadium, I see on the on the right field side, visitors dugout number three standing by the standing by the uh, dugout signing autographs. So I took my stack of cards and I hustled over there. Ran. I, we were we were on field level behind home plate ish, and uh, ran over there. And there was, you know, the kind of the makeshift line that, that forms, that swarms, I should say, when a player starts to sign. So got in this little makeshift line and, and so excited. I'm just just bouncing with energy that I get to not only see Dale Murphy play, but be, see him close up and have him sign uh, a baseball card. So finally, it gets to be my turn. I have my card extended. I told this story to Dale Murphy, by the way, I have my card extended and he said, sorry guys, got to go get ready for the game. And doesn't, does not sign my card. He, he has to go. I, I, I just, I ball. I, 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 I lose it. I am so sad. And I probably cried through the entire Dodger game, uh, <laughs> by, between my parents and just so, so sad. Years later, you know, gets tra- traded to the Phillies and traded to then the Rockies. He's, he has only 42 at-bats. You know, Rockies with the, with legend, Rockies. Dale Murphy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, my folks took me to see Dodgers versus the Rockies. So again, got there early, as as, as we always did, to, to watch batting practice and to try to get autographs, as you do when you're 10 years old in the, in the uh, 90s. And uh, hanging out by the left field pole, and uh, someone knocks a foul ball, and uh, for the first time and only time ever, I, I caught it. Never, never got a, a foul ball ever. And I race back again. My parents are behind home plate ish field level, so I go from the left field pole down, wrapped around to to home plate. Say, mom, dad, I got this. I got this. And uh, they couldn't believe it. So as I'm excited, excitedly telling them um, what had happened. I look over and now now in purple and black. They're number three in the same spot as before, signing autographs for the kids. 
So I take my newly found ball and I hustle, hustle, hustle all the way to the right field side where the visitor's dugout is. And, you know, the makeshift swarm that that uh, started to form, wait, wait in line. And the, my last experience was not lost on me I, at this point. I'm certainly thinking about how I was left at the altar before. And uh, <laughs> and so so here I, here I am with my ball in hand, handing it to Murph. And he takes it and he signs it, Dale Murphy, on my newly caught ball with uh, stains of Dodger Stadium still on it. And I take it to my seat watch the game and so excited so so thrilled that it turned out this way and and watch the game and it was a rather insignificant game so we went home that night checked the box scores like i always do and the next day i checked i, I didn't didn't go to the next game but i always checked the box scores to see how murph did so i checked checked the box scores for the next day was didn't play next day he didn't play maybe three days didn't play and then and then finally i see in the paper maybe the third or fourth day Dale Murphy retires from baseball and by total random accident, I got to go see his final game. Wow. Uh, see his final at bat, get a foul ball and have him sign it on his, on his last professional game. So not quite the answer you were looking for, but that's really what jumped out to me is this little very personal nugget. That's really very special to me. And I still have that ball of course. And that's of all my, all my entire collection. That's by far my most favorite thing that i have do you do you tease him for uh for leaving you at the altar that first time i, I told him i told him that story probably shouldn't have but i told him that story and uh, when i got to the part where he basically leaves he leaves blew me you off there, he blew like, you hey. off <laughs> <laughs> no he's like thanks for making thanks for the story daniel i really really appreciate it <laughs> but uh I, I wouldn't tell it if it didn't have a wonderful ending like that but uh but it but it did and, and just one of those really great too good to be true moments moments for me in, in a in a little young fan's life yeah you'd have trouble scripting it better than that that's pretty right? sweet <laughs> so let's talk um let's talk about your your art some more and, and sure. specifically some of the uh some of the the i don't want to say characters i want to say subjects i guess is the word it's, it's i love that you call them characters because i call them characters all the time well, so Ricky Henderson was definitely a character. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about some of the ones that are my favorites. Obviously, the Ricky Henderson one is is by Claire, my, you know, totally my favorite. And just some of the, the details that you put in there. And you do this with all of them. I was just I was just looking at the Will Clark one earlier uh, today and studying it. But you've just got some great details in here. Like you've got the issue number for, for Ricky Henderson is number 1406 career mm-hmm. stolen bases. It's 24 cents. Obviously the number that's associated with Ricky the most. You've got fastest issue yet. And then you've got a little bubble with Tony LaRussa down here saying mm-hmm. some stuff about Ricky and it, it just like the details that you do about this that clearly tell that you're a baseball fan and you know kind of these little things. You know what's important versus you know, somebody that might not know baseball that just does, oh, it's Ricky Henderson. His name Man of Steel. I'm going to make it Superman. And just, mm-hmm. you know, slap a ass on there or something. <laughs> what what's who's been your favorite, and I'll say it again, character to to depict so far? Uh, thanks for noticing that. I actually really as that you did notice it. I think that's 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 some of my favorite parts of the are the details. I think thinking about the art is just as fun for me as making the art. Thinking about okay, how am I gonna do this? What am I gonna depict? I think the, the number of stars on that on that cover is also I think the number of his all star appearances as oh, well. Oh, very the, nice. The, the barcode I think has some details in the in the barcode numbers as well. I think it might have. I don't for that one. I think it's maybe his jersey numbers that he wore. I don't rec- I don't recall what I had done there. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, you're right. And what I'm really impressed about is 35 is not number one. It's 39, which he only wore for like a couple of games. And then he switched to 35 his rookie year. So that's very impressive. Thanks. Yeah, it's 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 my, my biggest joy or one of my biggest joys in doing this is just just doing the homework and just figuring it out. Like, like I said, thinking of thinking about it. And uh, and, you know, it's it's important to me not to like you like you said, oh, we're, name association, Man of Steel have become Superman. And, and you can guarantee I'm not going to do Iron Man uh, from Marvel for, for Cal Ripken Jr. either. I, I think I think that's that's what that's what interesting interests me is to make it something personal and special and really le- lean into who they were, and again I almost instinctively call them a character, 
but I, but I think they very much are a character, at least again, with that little 10 year old mindset, you know, you look at these heroes that, that are untouchable and, and masters of their craft. And they are, they are superheroes when you're that age or super villains in the case of Lenny Dykstra, you know, and that's, that's exactly <laughs> why I did Lenny Dykstra is because, you know, heroes are useless. If you don't, if you don't have villains, you know, so there you go. Very, very, very much part of kind of my thought is 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 the world in which they exist and 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 kind of this whole like mythos, if you will, of 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 what we're creating here with with these covers. And so, I think bad guys are always fun to draw. So Lenny Dykstra was a fun one to do to actually get to your question. Love love doing Lenny. Trying to think, uh, Fernando was actually really transformative for me. Uh, you know, growing up a Dodgers fan, I certainly knew of Fernando, and my, it was my my buddy's my best buddy's uh, favorite player, and so really well familiar with it. But but really digging in and doing the homework, just seeing what what he meant to a lot of people, and seeing how he was uh, he was transformative to a whole group and whole culture, like that was really impactful for me. Um, that's why I, I had made that particular release special. I had released a sticker with it. And I had made cards too that went with it, just because it, I wanted to make it to others what it was to me, just this 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 special, unique experience. So, you talk about villains, and yeah, it's when I when I look through your your work, yeah, I'm like Lenny Dykstra. That's an odd choice. That one stood out to me, especially as being oh, it's, it kind of looks out of place. Who would be your next villain? I th- I think about this often, and you know I. I uh, through this, here's here's why I'm hemming and hawing, and I'll tell you. During this process, I've gotten to work with a couple of professional ball players, and I, I I worry that I I make a villain that I see as a villain, and then I actually like run into them or see them in some capacity, and I have to explain myself as to why I why I did what I did. It's a temptation to go to the the steroid era, you know the 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 Sosas and the the Bonds and Maguires and Catecos and whatnot, and. I've stayed stayed away from that, but not to say that I will forever. But you know, it's it's on my mind. And one thing that I do have in mind is 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 a uh, how 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 do I like how would I like to address the Astros as well? In addition to just kind of depicting these players, I also like to depict moments. There's a George Brett pine tar incident where where the comic is not about it's not about George Brett really. It's about this like fragile ego dance between between Billy Martin and George and the umpire, I forget his name. Tim McClelland. Like so, eight foot tall yeah, Tim McClelland. Yeah. So so uh, th- there's a I've, I've got something in mind for the Astros. How, how, how do I treat that? And so it's not a, not really a player per se, but it's just wh- how, how do I look at this moment? And there's other moments in baseballs in baseball that uh, I'm, I'm sort of looking at. And, and, and what I want to do with this is not just make a here's the character of a week, but just kind of fill out the story of baseball as much as I can through these little kind of side side stories and side quests of, of you know, here, here's what's important to Ricky Henderson or about Ricky Henderson. And here's this, this famous incident about, about gooey stuff on a bat, you know, or, or here's this whole era of baseball d- depicted. So let's talk about the, the Negro League Baseball Museum. And you've sure. got some new stuff that you have that is available uh, by the time that this airs is available to be, are, are you auctioning it off or do you have multiple sets of this? My plan is what well, multiple sets to answer your question and uh, kind of like using the same, same method as, as all my other works. It's, it's available for one week and then, and then it's no longer available. And so selling as much as I can in, in that time frame. And what, what I'm doing through this one is that I'm giving 20% of the profits to the Negro league museum and uh, every, every uh, order past 20, I'm going to up it up that percentage by one. So if if 50 people order it, then 50 people there's 50% of it goes to the museum. <laughs> and so my hope is to get to 100. That's 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 where I'm going with this. I would love to get to 100. So so I'm donating everything to the museum. So tell us about this. You've been nice enough to share with me what they look like. Tell us uh, describe these uh, these pieces of work that uh, that you've just completed. I wanted to do something different than than kind of what was expected. I think for the past 14 in a row or so, it's just been a very, very much of the same comic book art. And I think that's what folks are uh, assuming that I'll be putting out. But 
I wanted to treat this as something special and something different. So I, I took a lot of the the, the aesthetics of, of the comic art and some of the tactile feeling of it, but to create something that is is very much its own thing and apart from comic books and, and really focusing on focusing on the players and the history and the, and the tradition. Again, t- speaking about transformative moments like this one was for me, that's 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 what I've enjoyed about doing all this is all, all the homework and the research that I get to do to, to make these. And, and, you know, this was certainly no exception. And can we talk about a couple of these players that you chose? Sure. Because some of these uh, Negro league legends are people that we've talked about on this show at, at length. I mean, Willie Mays, Josh Gibson, he is one of my favorites. Cool. Papa bell is my favorite <laughs> Negro league player of all time. Ernie Banks, we've talked about quite a bit. Turkey Stearns. It's very appropriate. It's very dignified the way that you've done these. And I love it. It's, you know, it's, he looks like a a sitting president here. (laughs) How did you, how did you choose who you were going to put in the set? You know, this, this project is something I, I, I took really seriously and, and, I wanted to do it well and do it justice. And I also wanted to be as authentic as possible. I'm, I'm very much with great respect and caution approach this whole project and, and, and very aware that I am a, a, a white voice into this. And so being authentic to, to me wasn't going in there and saying, here, here's how, here's how, you know, you should feel about the, the Negro leagues. This is very much just my, the, the journey of my education. Cause to be very honest, I didn't, I didn't know a ton. There, there's, there's the want to go in, at least for me, the, the, the first gut instinct to like, Oh, I'm going to go do the deep dives. I'm going to, I'm going to see the, the, the character again, again, with the characters, the characters who aren't, aren't drawn a lot, but I realized that that's probably not a really authentic approach for me to do because I don't know a lot about this. And so for me to go to look for those deep cuts, it just didn't feel right. So I went to the star, the stars, the, the, the names that you know. Some of them are MLB player, became MLB players. Some did not. And even even the approach to not, uh, I didn't use any of their nicknames in there. I used their their proper names. I felt that the, the nicknames was was a familiarity that I I had not earned yet, as as an artist. So so I tried to approach it very as, as respectfully as possible not telling you here here's how i think you should feel about the negro leagues but here here's my experience and education and educating myself about this mark and i have we're fans of the negro leagues we love to kind of learn about the history and you've got a mule studdles is included in this which mark came across and and, and we did a show on him earlier because mark like myself was unfamiliar with him and he pulled and and autographed <laughs> mule Whoa. studdles uh, out of a out of a out of a break and then that led us down the rabbit hole of you know learning about mule studdles who would you list now having done some some research here who's your favorite negro league player Hmm. And why? I can give you a little bit of maybe maybe this will help if you're having trouble j- pinning one down, or maybe you don't have one. Like mine, like I mentioned, is Cool Papa Bell. Well, everybody knows who my favorite mm-hmm. baseball player is is Ricky Henderson, and you know those are the same styles, and so that's what I was really drawn mm-hmm. towards. Right. My favorite being Mule Suttles, and my, <laughs> because the man swung a fifty ounce bat. All right, that's five zero. <laughs> He swung a 50 ounce bat. I want to be on his side. He's my favorite. I I think for me, who stands out is is Josh Gibson. And and Mm. what I loved reading about was, was the descriptions about him by his contemporaries. And I think it was Babe Ruth that, that took away the qualifiers of the best Negro player ever but just just being you know one of the best ball players ever, and and th- those I think those are the examples that I was really drawn to when I ran across a quote that that removed the qualifier, of, of separation you know and just said whatever whatever race this was an incredible ball player, uh, best that there ever was, and it was really interesting to, to hear accounts from different players. And I can't recall any of them right now, but 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 Satchel Paige saying, "Oh, this pitcher was the fastest pitcher I ever I ever saw," and then other pitchers saying, "Well, Satchel Paige was was the, the the fastest, hardest thrower I ever saw." So, 
just hearing about the, hearing about those accounts, I think those were what I was really really drawn to. But but Josh Gibson was the first one that really like stands out to me when 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 I think about it. It was Buck O'Neill that said he had only heard a ball come off a bat with a thunderous crack three different times in his lifetime. Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson, and Bo Jackson. Wow. I mean, just imagine, first of all, having lived and had access to be able to see all three of those players <laughs> in your lifetime. That's incredible. Yeah. But I mean, Josh Gibson was just, he's one of those guys that if I had a time machine, I mean, I just, to be able to go back and just see like a, a Crawford's versus a Gray's kind of just a regular season game when all these guys were populating those two kind of the, the greatest teams of all time would just be incredible. Oh, it would. I, I remember re- reading a quote from, I think, Satchel Page saying that, that uh, I think talking about Cool Papa Bell is that he threw a pitch to Cool, cool Papa Bell and it whizzed past his ear. And, and uh, by the time he turned to, turned around, he was hitting him on the hindquarters at second base. Yep. <laughs> so fast. Yeah, I was I was reading about I'd heard the story before, but I hadn't read it in depth about how he scored Cool Papa Bell supposedly scored from first on a sacrifice bunt. Yeah. Where- <laughs> The, the, they squared around. He was going to beat the uh, the. He was going to beat it out to second base easily. But the third baseman had charged in to field the ball, so he just rounded second and kept going to third. And when the catcher saw that, the catcher ran out to third to try to cover the base. So Cool Papa Bell saw that and just rounded third, ran right around the catcher as he caught the ball and ran right to home plate. So oh, it's just incredible. Cool. I mean, whether or not that actually happened or not, you know, is is up for debate. But just such great stories. I, I just love hearing these stories from from the Negro Leagues. And especially you, you mentioned the Buck O'Neill. What a great storyteller he was. And I'm glad that he was included in your collection here as well. Yeah, thanks. And, and I think that, uh, you know, being interested in the comic side of things, too, that that's the, the sort of lore that's associated with that, that, you know, maybe this is true, maybe it's not exaggerated. That's, that's part of, that's part of what makes comic books, you know, exciting is that, that it is, it's a, it's a, it's fantastical. It's, it's beyond, you know, what we can do, um, but it's also rooted in, in our cities and towns and our people, you know, so there, so it's grounded in reality, but, but takes some huge leaps into lore and, and, and myth and kind of incorporates it all into reality. I'm not super interested in exactly, well, you know, if these records are accurate or right or total, it's, it's those stories that, that make it exciting and make it, make it what it is. And, and yeah, that's, that, that that's my takeaway. Again, again, very cautious hearing my own voice into this conversation. Uh, I, I want to be very, but, but this is just me uh, with what, what I took away. It's just those, those stories you're right on the money. Those stories are, are, are what I kind of, that stayed with me, not so much the numbers, but those myths and lores that kind of travel with the, uh, with the league. So do you want to tell people how they can find your artwork as well as this set for the, uh, for the Negro league uh, benefit and then just the rest of your work? The, what I'm doing right now is going to all operate it off of my Instagram for the most part and, and Twitter. Uh, there'll, there'll be a link in the Instagram and in my Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is at Daniel Jacob, the maker and Twitter is, uh, Danny underscore champion. Uh, those are those are the places that you can go for basically week to week to find what I do, including this uh, this Negro League set. And this set is only going to be available through October 10th. Is that correct? Yeah, like like everything I do, it's 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 a moment. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. You can also check out nlbmart.com where uh, both Daniel is linked as well as all of these other artists from around the world. There's just a whole bunch of different kind of things. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these artists have special things that they're doing specifically for this benefit. And there are some really cool things. And I think I'm going to get a lot of more eye rolling from my wife here in the next couple of weeks, because there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that I, I really have my eye on. So, uh, again, we'll put all of that stuff in the show notes so that everybody can follow that as well. Uh, so, Daniel, yes. we play a game here called Wax Packs Heroes, and uh, you and I have discussed this. You are all in on this. And uh, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that, uh, is this your favorite set? The 1989 tops? For better, for worse, that is my favorite set. Totally makes sense. I'm sure this was probably a special set when you were, when you were collecting these. I happen to have a pack right here. 
I'm pretty excited. All right, so we're gonna play Wax Packs Heroes. We've got a couple of rules. Uh, first of all, we are using a May 1992 Beckett baseball card monthly so that these cards have some value. We've got some additional rules that can give you some extra, extra big cash money on these. If you are sporting a mustache, you get an extra cent. If you are sporting real stirrups, you get an extra cent. If you are wearing the two-in-one stirrups, you're going to get a minus one cent because that's not cool. It's probably not going to... Probably not going to show up here in 1989. And then if you are a member of the Hall of Fame, you get an extra five cents. All right. So we have got this pack here. Uh, I will open it right now. Our leaderboard, Richie Schaefer, former uh, Rays first baseman outfielder, is still up on top with $1.35. Brad Belukjan is uh, is the only other guest that has broken a dollar with his uh, pack of 1986 tops where he had a dollar and eight. So we're going to open this uh, this pack here, 89. Any guesses as to what the big money cards are from this year? 89, well, I would guess you wouldn't probably, you wouldn't probably find it in that pack, but the, the tops traded Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, that that's, that is the big card, and you're right. It is in the traded set. That's a $4 card. The only other card in this entire set that is worth more than a dollar is the gentleman that is on the cover of this Beckett baseball card monthly. It is the Steve Avery rookie card, which is nice. worth a dollar. Wow. There's going to be some heavy lifting needed to be done. To, 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 I picked the wrong year, guys. There's the a Jim year. Abbott rookie card, too, that's 50 cents. I mean, there are some, some bigger cards on here but let's uh let's go ahead and open it and uh let's uh see what you get here uh your gum is in one piece there's no powder on it though it's just uh, should be points for that if your if your gum is in one piece uh well i'll, I'll be happy to send it to you if you uh, if you want the gum wasn't that an insult in the 80s man his gum isn't all in one piece <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's start off here uh this is a minnesota twins i believe he's an outfielder yep it is Mark Davidson. Big money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that Mark Davidson is probably not going to start you off on a good foot. Nope. No. Uh, he's apparently had been in the league for three or four years prior to this, but I, I am not familiar with uh, Mark Davidson. No mustache, no stirrups, and not a Hall of Famer, shockingly enough. No. Next, we have got this guy was. I always say nails, but I, I got to stop saying that because it's not Lenny Dykstra. Uh, this guy was really tough, pitched a long time for the Blue Jays. I think he pitched for the Yankees as well afterwards. It is Jimmy Key. Oh, nice. Yeah, Jimmy Key was a fantastic pitcher. Uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a standout from when I was a, a kid. Yeah, shockingly enough, no, uh, no value for Jimmy Key. No mustache. There's a, there's a shirt for you right there, screen print. No no mustache, no value. <laughs> <laughs> or two-cent mustache. That's one of our new rules that I'm really happy with. Uh, yeah, he pitched for, for Toronto for nine years, and then he ended up in New York for four, and then Baltimore for two. And I think he was probably uh, collected a ring. Yeah, he collected a, two rings in 92 and 96, one with Toronto and then one with the, with the Yankees. Uh, but that card is, uh, again, not worth anything. But apparently Jimmy majored in recreation and park administration at Clemson University. So, of course. Makes sense. There you go, Parks and Rec. <laughs> All right, future star card. Now, right. you might get some value uh, just because it's a future star. This guy looks like he has probably got a van that has got a wizard painted on the side of it. He's got a mustache for sure. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. He's got a mustache. It's definitely not a two-center. It is a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, Steve Searcy. Nice. Yeah. Steve Searcy? Wait a minute. I think Tops was wrong in that whole future stars thing. <laughs> he could very literally have a tiger spray painted or airbrushed on the side of his van. Yeah. Tiger. Yeah, that's right. Coming yeah. out from the wizard, behind the wizard, or at his feet. Yeah, Steve Searcy is worth two cents, generally because it's a, a rookie card. Uh, but he's got the, that sweet teen-looking mustache. Uh, so that's three cents. You're on the board. There we go. Next, you have got a Hall of Famer. It's your first Hall of Famer. Probably, you know, this guy is was such a great second baseman, but is probably known for a, a spitting incident. We'll say that. 
Does that mm-hmm. does that give it away? A spitting incident? No. Yeah, uh, this is probably in your in your dark period when you weren't weren't <laughs> watching. Yes, Roberto Alomar here with gotcha. the San Diego Padres. So of this dark era, tell me of this said spitting incident that I know nothing of. So he was playing second for the for the Blue Jays at this point. And Mark, I don't remember. Was it was it a play at second base or was it something to do at, at home plate? I thought it was at home plate. He got he didn't agree with a pitch. And it was it was Hirschbeck was the umpire and they were arguing and he just went ahead and spat right in his face (laughs) of course he then claimed oh i was was, i didn't spit i was just yelling in it but no he no it it was a loogie man (laughs) there was there was the brooder like breakdowns of this event for (laughs) years and uh, he was suspended for you know a good I might have been 20 games or so. I think that the the rub was, though, it was near the end of the season. That only was uh, he was only suspended in the regular season. So I believe he got suspended for the end of the regular season, but then got to play in the playoffs and then missed the start of the next season because it was, again, the regular season. Yeah. Isn't that like considered assault now to to spit on somebody? Uh, You would probably get at least a month. Well, today you might be kicked out of baseball yeah. with the way, yeah. <laughs> the way things are right now. But. <laughs> but good news here. This card is worth 20 cents. All right. He's a Hall of Famer and he's got a mustache. So that is a 26 cent card, my Ooh. friend. Ooh. That'll bring you up to 29 cents right there in, in a one fail swoop. What, a dollar to go to get to, get to this? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, my goal is always just to get you on the top 10. Right now, former pitcher Sean Lowe is at number 10 with 42 cents. So you've got a little bit of work to do, but we're only a couple cards in. Uh, Next, we've got a pitcher here with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I remember him most with the 86 Mets. It is Jesse Orozco. Oh, yeah. That was definitely my era of Dodger attending. Yeah, so he pitched for quite a while. Let's see this card. Throws left, yep. Let's see, uh, Jesse Orozco's numbers, 79 through 2003. But, I mean, wow. you, you hit the nail on the head. Lefty reliever, yep. <laughs> 24 years. He has appeared in more games than any other pitcher in the history of the game at 1,252. Wow. Wow. It, but yet his career high for a single season, or no, no, that he led the league. Uh, his career high in any year was 71, which I I think uh, I think Yasmero Petit appeared in 82 or 83 last year for Oakland. Sure. So yeah, card's not worth anything. Boy, you know we're very liberal. I'm going to give you a cent for the mustache. It looks like he didn't shave today, but he's clean shaven everywhere else. So that is very generous of you. Yeah, for that we'll, one for we'll sure. go we'll go ahead and give you a cent. So that moves you up to 30 cents. Next, we've got this guy. We, we talk about him quite a bit. Here he is with the Cleveland team, which is where I remember him most. It is Corey Snyder, one of the uh, one of the guys that I always mention is uh, he played at BYU growing up in, in Salt Lake City. He was one of those few guys from the state of Utah I could uh, well equate with baseball. <laughs> one of the best arms you could ever see, man. The guy had a rifle. I'll have to take a picture of uh, the, my baseball card binder from about this time. And, and, and I, I did these little like he- headlines for all the players that I l- either liked or, or didn't like. And I know C- Corey Snyder was on that binder and I think it was in the did not like pile, but I can't remember what I said about him, but I'll, it's, it's a little <laughs> time capsule about my little, little 10 year old brain as to, I think, I think it says like Bono's injuries or something like that. And just stupid <laughs> little like one liners about all these players. Corey Snyder only played for nine years, but man, he had some power, especially early in his career. First three seasons in the big leagues, 24, 33, and 26. All right, uh, you do get one cent because he's got that blonde mustache. Next, uh, so that brings you up to 31 cents. Next, here he is, a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. I always think of him as an A for the two seasons he was on the A's. It is pitcher Scott Sanderson. Nice. No value from Scott Sanderson in Beckett's. I think he was another guy that was around for quite a while. Uh, 78 through 96. Pitched for the Cubbies for a while. Yeah, pitched for the Cubs for six years. And then, uh, oh, he's only on Oakland for one year. But uh, pitched for six other teams. Uh, wow. Finished with a 163 and 143 record. But no no value there. 
We got an expo, so you know his uniform looks cool at least. It is, and he's sporting a great mustache. So I, I, you're, you're going to get one cent from this, I can guarantee you. It is Andy McGaffigan. Nice. Andy McGaffigan. Oh, wow. It's not Scottish, it's crap. But uh, <laughs> this card is pretty much uh, probably crap. No no offense uh, to the uh, McGaffigan clan, but yeah. That's... All right, McGaffigan, you've got no point. <laughs> that's only going to get you one cent. That'll bring you up to 32. Next, you've got another Hall of Famer. That's good news. <laughs> Uh, the bad news is it's an all-star card. So generally, these aren't worth as much as, you know, it's just a regular card. But it is the Hawk. Here he is nice. playing uh, after giving the uh, the Chicago Cubs a blank check and saying, pay me for whatever you think I'm worth. <laughs> and then he went on to be the yep. National League MVP. It is Andre Dawson. Nice. Yep. He's definitely on my, my, my short list of guys to guys to do a comic book cover of for sure yeah i think i think he fits right in with your uh with your stuff there i can see that uh no value because it is an all-star card but he is a a uh, hall of famer and he's got that mustache so you're gonna get six cents that brings you up to 38 you're four cents away from oh, breaking on, top 10 <laughs> so you've got another hall of famer back to back hall of famers he is not in the Hall of Fame for his playing career. He actually only played for three years. He played two years for the Brooklyn Dodgers, one year for the Kansas City A's, and then he is in the Hall of Fame for managing the Los Angeles Dodgers. It is Tommy Lasorda. Ah, nice. Yeah. Tommy Lasorda. That's pretty exciting. He's, he's a yeah spiritual father. Oh, but uh, no value on that car, but he is a Hall of Famer. So that will get you five cents and that will put you up to 43 cents. You have cracked the top 10. Yay. Sean Lowe. We're going to have to we're going to have to have Sean Lowe back on. Nope. Give him another chance. (laughs) All right. Next, uh, uh, Mark knows this guy. I remember this guy. Oakland A's pitcher Steve Ontiveros. Yeah, Steve Ontiveros was uh he was a solid pitcher in Tacoma, at least. <laughs> that is a that is a very good comment. He was a good minor league pitcher. Wasn't was it one of you guys who mentioned him in a tweet? Um, Maybe not. Some someone 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 said, "Stop releasing great players." Like uh, release uh, release. I think it was him. Uh, release this guy so I can stop buying these comic book covers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's I funny. might buy a Steve Ontiveros. I would love to see what you could come up with for a Steve Ontiveros. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, what, what, what's, what's kicking around in my head, uh, and I don't know who I'm going to do it for. Rob, Rob Wilfong is actually what comes to my mind, but I don't know if I'm going to do it. But, uh, you know, a lot of what comic books are about is, is taking an ordinary person and making them an extraordinary. So just finding a very, very average, basic kind of common, common player and then turning them into like a superhero through, through a comic book. Like that's something that I've been kicking around in my head. Just haven't, haven't found the exact right player to do that for. So I had to look up Rob Wilfong. I know the name, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Second baseman, 10-year career, led the league in uh, sacrifices in 1979 with 25. 25? Yeah. 248 career hitter. Uh, I mean, yeah, this this guy is, he's a common if you're, if you're looking at it at, in baseball card terms. Yeah. And that was, that was actually one of my questions I was going to ask. Uh, at some point was uh, who, who would be a common that you would uh, that you would want to draw? And uh, that might be my answer right there. It's definitely someone who I don't know. I don't know why he keeps coming to my mind. But but Rob Wilfong has haunted me since I started this project. Like <laughs> the muse is begging me to do a, a Rob Wilfong thing. Well, uh, Steve Ontiveros got you no money, uh, nothing, uh, no mustache or, or anything like that. Next, we've got another all-star card, which unfortunately means you're probably not going to get much off of this. I love this guy. I I loved it. He was in Atlanta with the Braves when I was working for the Braves. Beat cancer, came back, uh, had a great career all around. Here he is with the Expos, played for the Rockies as well. It is the big cat, Andres Galarraga. Nice. Gotta love the big cat. Yeah, no value there uh, in any sort for Andres. 85 through 2004, uh, 1999 was when he battled cancer. So I got him in 98 in Atlanta, which was my first year there. And then he played in 2000 again and was an all-star both years. 
And in 2000, that's when the All-Star game was at Turner Field. So I remember how great that nice. was to have him there. But uh, let's see. Doing my research on on Eric Davis, you know, in, in my dark years for, for baseball, I, I learned that he had cancer and, mm-hmm. and he had surgery. And he, he, he re, I think, returned to the game like three or four days after his surgery. That, that dude was just intense. Eric Davis would be in the Hall of Fame if he was healthy and, and you, yeah. it's yeah. hard to say that when you know he, somebody has cancer but i yeah. mean beyond cancer i mean he had you know some very serious injuries we've yeah. talked about what happened in the world series in 90 and what marge shot did to him you know he was just always hurt but my I, and i said i think i tweeted it uh recently that i think if i would have grown up on the east coast mm-hmm. eric davis might have been my ricky henderson that might have been the guy that i latched on to rather than ricky henderson yeah, he really stood out, you know, a kid from L.A., you know, not a lot of business in Cincinnati, but but just this his intensity always like really stood out to me. And I, what I have in mind is this 87 Tops card. He's got his finger pointed and this really like just intense look on his face and, and him, him and uh, Eddie Murray just just freaked me out. As, as a kid, this, their, their intensity. <laughs> well, Eddie Murray freaked out the media as well. <laughs> if Eric Davis had stayed healthy, he honestly could be in my greatest players I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, wow. When he was, when he was healthy, when he was hot, he was on, I mean, you could not get him out. He was amazing. Well, he's a five tool player. He could steal yeah. bases. He had an incredible arm. He was great. I mean, I remember in, in that uh, 90 world series when he bruised or ruptured whatever he did internally it was because he made this incredible diving catch in left field mm-hmm. i mean the, the guy was just incredible uh, yeah. member of the hall of game uh, and uh, in one of your your subjects which is is awesome yeah. eric the red there was a, a a quote i had heard from him after the fact after i had done it which i'd if i'd heard it before i would have certainly included it but it was about like you know robbing a home uh, robbing a home run you know off the top of the wall and saying that calling it that the, the slam dunk of baseball i just love <laughs> i just love that quote i wish i would have included it so getting back to andres galarraga no value anywhere on this card unfortunately andres galarraga finished his career with 399 home runs wow that's tough. It's like Murph is at 398. Yeah, it, yeah. Galarraga came in in 2004. He played seven games with the Angels. I don't remember that at all. And hit one home run. I think you know clearly. I think yeah. he was hanging on trying to get that that 400. Uh, yeah, 400. Yeah. But just couldn't couldn't do it. All right. So you've got uh, you've got three cards left, and one is a checklist. Unfortunately, so that's. Oh. Lucky. This card looks like Greg Jeffries. It's a 1988 record breaker card. And that sure looks like Greg Jeffries, but it is actually Kevin McReynolds. And this Uh, record breaker, he stole 21 straight bases without being caught. Nice. Which apparently at that point was the major league record. It has since been broken. uh, And I'm probably going to get fined here. I want to say it was Ichiro? I, we, I know we've talked about this on the show, and I have been. forgotten. He had a really long streak of not getting caught, yeah. I will probably be fined for that, but... <laughs> Our listeners will let us know. I, I, I could find both of you for not telling me what the answer is, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> wait, we'll wait to see if we can sweeten the pot at all. Um, no value from this card. I can't... He usually has a mustache, but he's turned away, but he does have real straps. So you're going to get one cent on there. That'll bring you up to Reggie Jackson, 44. And your final card is a Houston Astro. It is outfielder Terry Pohl. Nice. Terry Swimming Pool. Is it Pool? <laughs> yeah. P-U-H-L. Pool. Yes. I hate to say it, but there is no value on that card. <laughs> Nothing at all. But <sighs> but that will get you into the top 10. So congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Orange slices and shoulder uh, rubs all around. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mother. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there you go. Another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. And uh, Daniel, really want to thank you. Uh, I'm so glad we got to talk to you again. uh, We will put all of your links in the show notes. Uh, We will put all the links to the Negro League Baseball Museum uh, art show and benefit that is going on. And we will make sure to continue to uh, to post a bunch of stuff on this on social media. But Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to get to talk with you. Likewise. I'm so jazzed. Like I said, I'm, I'm a listener. Love the show and so jazzed to be on. We appreciate it, Daniel. 
glad we got to talk to Daniel. Uh, we've talked through uh, through Twitter for a while, um, and I was glad to we, that we could connect and and uh, get him on this show. And what a great uh, opportunity to uh, to help the Negro League Baseball Museum, which I. You know, despite the fact, as we've said, neither of us have been there. Everybody that has gone there has just said what an incredible uh, place it is. You know, anything that you buy during this uh, this art show and, and benefit will go, uh, portions of it will go to help that museum. So uh, check it out. Again, all of the links will be in the show notes. Uh, you can check out Daniel's work as well as all of the other artists to just see like the wide range of stuff that is available and there's some really cool stuff there. A little warning, if you're going to go look at Daniel's work, uh, be prepared because you're going to want to purchase stuff. I'm yeah. just telling you. Yeah, and make sure to follow Daniel because, uh, as he mentioned, his stuff is very limited. He puts it out yes. there for a week, and then it's done. It is gone, and once it's gone, it is gone. So make sure that uh, you follow him so that you are aware that when he puts something new out there, I mean, we'll probably I, I we've we've reposted everything when he's put it out there, but make sure that you follow him so you know when it's there so you can add it to your collection. Some very cool stuff. Uh, if you do want to get a hold of us on said Internet, there are several ways that you can do it. Uh, one of them is through social media. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are also on YouTube, though we are woefully behind there, but there's still content there if you want to. Uh, go and uh, look at stuff there. We would appreciate it. Mark, uh, we have spent pretty much 24-7 since the last show installing and updated electronic email boxes throughout the Two Strike Noise studio so that we may continue to uh, receive electronic emails. Uh, can you tell them how that works? Uh, and they should come in a timely fashion now since we've got that all <laughs> figured out. Uh, yeah, sure. You just uh, go into your electronic mail and send us a message at two strike noise. Spell it out. T.W.O. Strike noise at Gmail dot com. Uh, also, we want to thank everybody, all our listeners, as usual. We really do appreciate it. We love uh, hearing from you on Twitter and on Instagram and uh, through those electronic email boxes that we're so proud of. If you want to share the news with friends, please do. Uh, especially though, if you want to share the, the Negro League uh, Baseball Museum's uh, benefit that's going on, we would really appreciate that to uh, help them out as much as possible. Until next show though, Mark, I am going to lock you in a room so that I can ensure you will be here next week. Okay, as long as I have at least a radio feed for the playoff games. We can, uh, we can do that. Okay, I'm good with it then, because I don't want to do anything else. Yes, <laughs> still a lot of baseball to go, so we're excited <laughs> about that. And uh, beyond that, we will see you next time on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a great day. 